It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 20, New Cubs Bullpen Questions. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us, Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy Monday to you. Hope you had a great weekend. I did. Plenty of baseball to be watched. And now, Dustin, we are officially under two double digits. We're now nine days away from opening nine day. Nine days away. Nine days away from opening day. Crawley will be out there with all his folks, I imagine. Uh, absolutely. You know it. 23rd opening day in a row. 23rd opening day in a row. That is awesome. All right, Carly, since the last time we got together, the Cubs have had five contests with one win, four losses, and a tie. Yeah, the Cubs have been a streaky team all spring. Uh, If you remember, they won their opener, but then they had like a four-game losing streak early in camp, and then they had like a nine-game winning streak uh, that was snapped actually when I was there versus the White Sox. And then yesterday they broke a five-game losing streak, so – a little bit up and down, you know, the offense has been struggling and the middle relief has not looked as sharp. Uh, on Thursday, the Cubs faced off against uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks and lost 3-1. I thought Drew Smiley had a really good start. He went 4.1 innings. He gave up three hits, two runs on, on a two-run homer by Caleb Roberts, uh, gave up one walk and struck out four. The bullpen looked pretty solid. Uh, Brandon Hughes, who we need to talk about, did give up one run. Uh, the offense, on the other hand, not looking so good. Patrick Wisdom continued his hot spring going two for three with a double, and Cody Bellinger hit a solo home run. Uh, but the Cubs had a lot of offers, and they went 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. 14 Ks, Dustin. That cannot happen. 14 Ks. No, 14 Ks is too much. Even if there is spring training, 14 Ks is too much. Just like allowing double-digit home runs is a pitcher in uh, spring training. Uh, is too many home runs, even though it's spring training. And, you know, when you think about strikeouts, you know, most of the time you think about power hitters, sluggers, you know what I mean? The Cubs aren't that, so they shouldn't have that many strikeouts. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Friday saw the Cubs play their second of three split squad games, and they came away with a loss and a tie. Offense looked better, but the pitching struggled in these two games, especially the one at Sloan. Um, 
they definitely played their varsity lineup at Sloan, so the home fans had to have been happy because that was some uh, that was a solid lineup. I do they, like that. I do like that they did that. Even though I was pissed off because I always want them to put out the best lineup possible against the Sox, and that lineup they had against the Sox is like, who in the hell are these guys? <laughs> right? And so, you know, it was cool for the people that were there. And so the offense scored seven runs on nine hits. Uh, Matt Mervis back from his stint with the WBC went uh, three for four with a double. Cody Bellinger was one for two with the triple and two RBIs and Ian Happ, man, that guy's stock is rising one for two with the double and a walk. The team went four for 12 with runners in scoring position and struck out seven times, but they walked five times. So all around a better performance by the offense, but Hayden Wisniewski had his first bumpy start of the spring going 3.1 innings, giving up four hits, four runs, two walks and six K's. He didn't look as crisp, and his walk and the walks definitely hurt him. He retired the first eight batters he faced before walk, walking Patrick Maseka in the third with two outs, and he gave up a single to Jason Hayward of all people before stifling out James <laughs> Outman to get out of the jam. Uh, but then in the fourth, he walked Trace Thompson to lead off the inning. Max Muncy singled, and then J.D. Martinez hit a three-run blast, so... You know, after the game, Hayden said the walks are what killed me. That was it. Other than that, though, can't be too upset with the outing. Just need to lock in a little more. And I think that's a fair assessment, Dustin. You know, yeah, you, you, totally fair. He's had a real nice spring. I am not worried about Hayden Westneski at all. Right. And, and again, just with these young guys, it, it comes down to avoiding walks. It's the difference, you know, between being able to stay up in the majors all season long and then having to work on things in the minors is you they're, they're not going to be able to put up with those walks. Um, against the White Sox at Camelback, Cubs roll out their JV lineup and tie the White Sox four to four. Jan Gomes, who's been heating up lately, was one for two and he hit a two run bomb for the Cubs. Edwin Rios is looking real nice, added a home, uh, another home run because that's what he does. And Sergio Alcantara hit a home run for the Cubs as well. So three home runs. Uh, you're, you're laughing about who's this guy? Cubs pitching did well. Cubs starter Nick Niedert who signed a minor league contract this offseason with the Cubs got the start, and he gave up a run in 2.2. Uh, Cam Sanders and Manny Rodriguez, they gave up a run, uh, as did Brandon Little. So you get the tie. Um, so not okay too bad with that? There. You okay with that in spring training? Is a, yeah. uh, a paid customer for spring training, you're okay with a tie? You don't worry about the outcomes in spring training. You're going there to look at players. You're going there to, to have some fun and drink some beers. You don't, you don't worry about the tie. You don't okay. like it? But I don't, I don't work. Like I said, this is not, you want everybody coming in healthy. You're not going to try to hurt anybody doing something you don't need to do. It's, it's exhibition, right? Uh, on Saturday, though, the Cubs offense disappeared again, a five to one loss against the Giants. Cubs only had three hits, Dustin. Patrick Grisdom with the double and Edwin Rios had an RBI single. That was pretty much it. Adrian Sampson, I watched this game closely because I knew, you know, we talked about it on the last show as far as, you know, what he needs to do. He had his best start of the spring going 4.1 innings, giving up two hits, two runs on two hits, one walk and six Ks. But the most important thing is that he didn't give up any home runs. Uh, the first run was on some good small ball by the Giants, uh, you know, bunt uh, 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 that ended up also being an error on the play, scored a run. And then the other was kind of like a slicing double. And then Rucker gave up a single afterwards. So he was out of that game, but the run still charged to him. Um, Rucker didn't have a good game, but, you know, they asked Adrian Sampson after the game, you know, what he thought of the start, because clearly this is, you know, he had to, he had to have a good start. We talked about it and he, 
provided. So this is what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always just dealt with my work. I mean, I, I'm getting so caught up in myself on what can I do to get myself better. And it's a great thing that these guys are pitching awesome because, I mean, we're going to need everybody um, all, all season. You've seen it in the last couple of years how many pitchers we've thrown out there. And when these guys are pitching well and, and their confidence is high, like, it's great for the Cubs. Like, we want to win. And when you have seven, eight starters, nine starters that can that can go out there and compete and and not just, like, throw them in there and hope for, hope for the best, but those guys are, are great pitchers. So the confidence that they have and they're building right now is just awesome for our team. And, and there's nothing I can control. I'm just controlling myself. So it's great for everyone. You, you know, that, that, that's the key. You know, you can't, you know, you know, the chatter's happening about Hayden Wisniewski and Javier Assad. All Adrian Sampson can do is, is do the best. And I think he had a really good outing. Like I said, he kept the ball down. He kept it from leaving the park. And, and it's going to be important, especially when we talk about some of the bullpen questions coming up that he had that good outing. Yeah, I think the key, like you mentioned, is that there were no home runs and that the strikeouts were up. So those are those are two good things about that outing and walks were there, but not out of control. Um, he's a pretty level headed kid, right? I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty straight. He doesn't get high. He doesn't get low. It, it kind of seems to be a Cubs thing when they get their hands on guys, they're really trying to instill that. It seems they've got a lot of guys where the heartbeat just seems and, kind of, and, 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 kind of regular, right? Right, and 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 they made, they saw something that was causing an issue with the two, you know, with the two streets, two seam and four seam fastball with him. So you know, the Cubs are really good at kind of catching these things, and 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 you know, hopefully they, you know, this is just the beginning. I again, don't give up on Adrian Sampson just because the spring hasn't looked good. You know, sometimes these things happen, and you got to kind of fix whatever's going on. Um, on Sunday, the Cubs snapped their five game losing streak. Justin Steele took to the mound against the Padres. Last time in Mesa, the Cubs pitched a no-hitter when Steele was on the mound, but not the greatest start for Steele. He pitched three innings. He gave up four hits and one run, but an uncharacteristic five walks to go along with three strikeouts. And so, you know what, Dustin, um, when I when you think about it, he didn't have his best stuff. He knew it, and he still competed. Um you know, the bullpen looks sharp as well. Nick Birdie has really impressed me. Um, Keegan Thompson didn't give up any runs, but we got to talk about Keegan a little bit. But uh, this is what Justin Steele said after his start. Yeah, um, I was talking to Tommy and Rossi. I just kind of felt like I was moving underwater for most of the day and stuff. But, um, you know, I was constantly having to make adjustments and stuff out there. So that's just kind of one of the mountings I was dealing with today. But, you know, just got to move forward. Just got to make sure I'm, you know, firing on all cylinders, ready to go from pitch one. He was just telling me to take a deep breath, you know, I mean, as a catcher, and, you know, he's called me plenty of times. He's He can tell when something's off, something's going. He was the same thing. He just, uh, you kind of seems like you're moving a little slow underwater and stuff. So, like I said, that was just the adjustments I was making out there. I was trying to get my body going and then making the adjustment from pitch to pitch. Yeah, you know, it was really clear if you watched it. He, he's, he liked the phrase underwater, um, but – yeah, it just he wasn't comfortable out there. It, it, it never was, heard, it was never heard that. I never heard that reference before. The underwater, the underwater reference. I read, I read that statement. I believe on Twitter yesterday afternoon, and then hearing it there, um, it, it, it made me scratch my head yesterday and today. It's making me laugh. Yeah, I mean, it just everything was just a little bit off. It was just a little bit slow. You could see he was uncomfortable. You just he never really got settled, you know. So 
here, you know what? Here's the thing. You're going to have those outings. I think it was John Lester that talked about, and I know other pitchers have talked about it in the past, you know, you know, if you have, let, let, let's say you have 30 starts, right? You're going to have 10 where you're going to have some really, really good stuff. And you're going to have 10 where you don't have good stuff. And you're going to have 20, 10 that are going to kind of be in between, but it's how you do when you don't have your good stuff that really is going to make a big difference. Sometimes you're going to have to sit there and figure out a way to do it, even if you're not feeling great. And I thought he had an okay outing. Definitely not his best. You know what I mean? Yep. Not his best, not his worst. Can always do better. Uh, he could always do worse. I, again, I, I'm not worried about Justin Steele either. He, he's gotten in a ton of work. Uh, I think he'll be just fine. Right. And for eight innings, the Cubs' only offense came once again from Jan Gomes. Uh, he had a solo home run and an RBI single. You know, two runs, again, that's what's kind of made me nervous is that it was fun with because what's going to happen here is that the game is tied going into the ninth 2-2. Don Nunez drew a leadoff walk, Nick Magical single, and then Nelson Velasquez right back from the WC hits a three-run blast. The Cubs walk it off, you know, uh, five to two, and it snaps their losing streak. And so, uh, you know, I just sat there and and I was happy that they won. But just, you know, a couple little issues is you're seeing that the offense is struggling, and that's that's what we've been talking about all off season is that, the, you know, where the run's going to come from, especially when they struggle, you know what I mean? Who's going to break them out of that. Yeah. Who's and the so, slump buster, right? Who's the slump buster. Right. You know, that, that, that was a really nice thing. We got to talk about the bullpen, Dustin, because four starters we talked about last week, Stroman, Tyone, Smiley, and Steele. Fifth starter up in the air was Niski Asad and Samson. We didn't really kind of hit too much on the bullpen last episode. And then that's kind of where we got to kind of focus our attention on real, you know, real quick here. You know, the Cubs made some free agent acquisitions this off season, Brad Boxberger. We know he's a veteran presence. We know he's a lock for the bullpen. Um, Michael Fulmer and Julian Merriweather. Those are the type of guys that the Cubs have really done well turning around and, and either trading for assets or you could keep them if you're having a good season. Right. Um, Rowan Wick and Michael Rucker were with the team last year, and I think they're going to break camp. And uh, Albert Edward Alzelay looked like one of the best relievers I've seen as far as the bullpen this season. He's looked phenomenal after missing most of the season last year with an injury. Um, so if you kind of do the math on that, that's six bullpen guys. That leaves you with two more spots. Now, if you asked me a week and a half ago, Dustin, who's in those two spots, I would have said Keegan Thompson, long man. You know, he had a lot of success there last year. And Brandon Hughes, right? Only lefty. I think Ross used him a lot in high leverage situations last year. Um, but it's been a strange spring for Keegan and, and Hughes. And I feel like their spots might be a little bit more doubt than they were about a week, week and a half ago. Um, Keegan was really clutch last year. He, you know, the Cubs had a bunch of injuries in the starting rotation. I thought he did well as a starter. Um, he started the year as a multi-inning reliever. You know, Brandon Hughes was crawl, called up with Christopher Morrell uh, in May and ended the season with eight saves, 3.12 ERA, over 57 appearances. If you remember, Dustin, the Cubs were really deliberate about both pitchers, and they were concerned about the workload last year, and they didn't appear in the early spring training games. You know, Keegan came in later, and then uh, Brandon Hughes followed afterwards. But Hughes has pitched in four innings. He's given up five hits three runs, one hit batter, three walks, and only two Ks. Um, as far as Keegan is concerned, he's looked better than Brandon. If you look at the box score, things look okay, right? He's pitched four innings. He's given up one hits, no runs, two walks, and five Ks. 
but there has been a notable decrease in his velocity. Last season, Keegan's fastball averaged around like 93, 94 miles an hour. And this spring, he's just, you know, hitting 90, 91, and occasional 92. And so when you see that dip in velocity, you start to ask yourself, okay, is this injury-related? Is he not ramped up enough yet? I don't know, Dustin, but I, I get very nervous when I see velocity drops. Well, as you say, definitely something to keep an eye on. Definitely something the next time we have Tommy Hadavi on with Molly and Haw. He's on every other week. We will definitely ask Tommy to give us an opinion on that one as well. Um, but what about the, the, the guy or two that doesn't get the fifth starter spot? Uh, you know, what, what are you thinking about those guys as far as the bullpen? Are you thinking they're better served going down to the minors and being completely stretched out, Crowley? Well, you know, it's very possible that, you know, both Keegan Thompson and Brandon Hughes start in the minors. And so if that happens, Mark Leiter, you don't have any lefties if Hughes is not in the bullpen. And so Mark gotta have, Leiter, you got to have one, I think. I think you got to have one. And unless you're going to make a free agent signing, I don't know who that would be. Now, Mark Leiter Jr. has good reverse splits. He pitches really well against lefties, so that might work. You're asking about the guy that doesn't get the fifth starter spot. So, you know, with Wisniewski, uh, Wisniewski, or Sampson, let, let's say uh, Hayden gets it. Let's, you know, right now he's probably, boy, I can't, I don't know. I hate to say it because Assad's look great too. So, he's great. you know, he's looked really great. Right. But from the comments David Ross has made about uh, Javier Assad, he kind of likes him because Javier in the World Baseball Classic has been really doing that piggyback role. And that was the role that Keegan had last year and what he was kind of slated for this year. So I could see Hayden getting that fifth starter spot, putting Assad in as the um, long man and then going with uh, Samson in the minors. So that's what I could see. But again, that the two spots then would have to be Assad and Mark Leiter Jr. And then Samson goes down and Wisniewski gets the fifth starter spot. That's the way I kind of see it right now. Okay. Uh, you know, it's not, I'm not clicking my heels over that one, Crowley, but okay. We got a week, we got a week left. So, you know, things, th things can still they happen. Only need, they, they only need four starters to start the season. They don't need five right off the bat. Correct. You know, so few other Cub notes, the Cubs reassigned five players from the big league camp, bringing their totals down to 51 players. Okay. Jeremiah Estrada and Caleb Killian have been optioned to triple a, our guy, Caleb optioned. Caleb, uh, he was on the Fly the W podcast, so was Jeremiah Estrada. I think Jeremiah Estrada, when it comes to bullpen guys, he, he was one of the most impressive. I have a feeling you're going to see him in Chicago sooner rather than later. With Caleb, I think they're still going to work some things with him, you know, to try to, you know, see if he can really, you know, progress to be a number, maybe number three starter, you know. But Jeremiah Estrada, I think, is going to be very – it's not going to take long for him to be on the big league roster. Uh, some non-roster invitees, Bailey Horn, Eric Stout, and, and Nick Neidert, who start against the White Sox. They're, they are assigned to minor league camp. And some good news as far as uh, Saya. He's continuing to work his way back from injury. Uh, he's doing some more hitting drills, uh, throwing medicine balls against the ground, playing catch at deeper lengths now. So, you know, you don't want him to rush his way back, but it's good to see that he's making some progress Um you know, as, as, as far as coming back from that oblique injury, I just hate oblique injuries, Dustin, just because those are ones that should get retweaked so easily, you know, super easy, especially with the cold weather and over swinging, trying to, trying to jump back and jumpstart things. So yeah, you gotta be real careful with that. eBay motors is here for the ride. 
Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team you are listening to the fly the w670 podcast season two episode number 20 new cubs bullpen questions have arisen don't forget to listen download review and most importantly subscribe to the fly the w podcast in this segment crawley interviews the voice of sloan park tim sheridan celebrating 40 years as the p announcer for cubs spring training Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am happy to have on Tim Sheridan, the voice of Cub Spring Training. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to a nice uh, game out at Sloan Park uh, this afternoon. Yep. Well, I was excited because uh, when I was in Mesa, I got to see you. You looked great. And you handed me a limited edition <laughs> Tim Sheraton baseball card, autographed and, and numbered. So I was excited. And that's why I wanted to have you on. For people that don't know, you've been the PA announcer for 40 years. This is your 40th year doing the PA announcements. Uh, I mean, when, when, when that hits you at the beginning of this season, like how did, that, when, how did that go through your head as far as, could you believe how quick the time has fly? Does it seem like yesterday? It's uh, one of those things definitely where I kind of scratch my head and say, uh, how did 40 years go by that quickly? Because <laughs> like, I still feel like I'm, you know, a, like a young kid or I feel like I'm well, in my 30s or something. And if I'm actually have done BPA announcing for 40 years, I can't be in my 30s. It just says <laughs> the math doesn't work. So, um, yeah, it was kind of I thought about it ahead of time and knew it was a little bit of a milestone, you know, because 40 years doing anything is kind of a long time. So uh, just thought, hey, I should put together a little card and memorialize uh, this season. And, uh, you know, 40 years, 
what it does for me is it brings back, you know, a lot of stories, uh, you know, great times at spring training, friends, people I've met over the years, uh, you know, who become like friends, like my Cubs friends. And I don't necessarily see all of them throughout the course of the year, but then I come back and there we are all again at spring training. And it's kind of like, you know, we never missed a step. We're just back being, you know, buddies at the Cubs games again. So yeah, it's- as, as much as people associate you with Arizona, you weren't you you don't you weren't born and raised in Arizona. It was Minnesota. Yeah, I was born and raised in Minneapolis, and my family, uh, my mom and stepdad, decided, hey, it's a little cold up here. Why are we living here? Well, because their parents lived there, you know that whole thing, and so they decided to uh, check out some warm weather instead and moved uh, to Arizona, as it turned out, to the Phoenix area. Um, Tempe originally and uh, so then I finished my last couple years of high school here in Arizona and went to college in Arizona and basically lived my whole adult life in Arizona which is actually a college class that brought me to Cubs spring training as the PA announcer so so is that something that you knew right away that you wanted to do that you wanted to be a to to go into broadcasting of some type I technically uh, I had my mind at the time of uh, like a young college student wasn't sure. Um, I was still figuring out that I wasn't going to be a major league baseball player. So that was traumatic when I realized that wasn't going to happen or, you know, I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. It's like, okay, where do we go from here? And I had a, a instructor who's uh, named Ron McIntyre over at Mesa community college. And at this time we're talking, you know, early 1980s. And he said, there's something that's coming out. Um, it's called uh, cable television, and it's going to open up a huge new landscape of jobs um, in that industry. And if you want to keep involved in sports, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. And so that was kind of why I decided to change. I was looking at possibly teaching, you know, something about that because I wanted to possibly coach. And so then I started thinking, well, you know, money wise coaching and you know unless you make it to the top uh, teaching and coaching don't necessarily you know make you rich or anything and so i thought well i'm going to go this way because there's probably a lot of opportunities and so that was a how i was in a radio and tv announcing class and they i've told this story many times to people but it's like they said who wants to help out a cub spring training and the quick arm up um, basically got me over there uh, the spring of 1984, which of course was a great season to jump on board for the Cubs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When you talk about all the, all the, you know, of all the years to jump on board, 1984 really is what I tell people the quintessential year and, you know, a huge in Cubs history because after 69, you know, there was a slow and steady decline in attendance. It used to be in the seventies, yep. they would close the whole upper deck of Wrigley Field like people always assume that it's packed houses all the time and it really was that 84 team that put it on the map now you know bring me back to 1984 that team didn't look that great in spring training until Dallas Green made a couple of late additions and that was uh, Gary Matthews and Bobby Dernier do you remember how camp changed once those two guys kind of came aboard you know, uh, honestly, I, I'll be honest, I don't think I was as perceptive back then about spring training and, and you know, the, what it can do and the changes that can happen. I was just kind of in awe of being there and, you know, being able to be in the press box with Harry Carey and, you know, all those guys that were um, the announcers at the time. So 
I was, you know, I thought I was a pretty astute baseball fan, but like I realized those were probably good moves, but I, I couldn't see it at the time what it was going to do in the regular season. And later on, I realized that, you know, spring training records don't mean anything. It's really like in some of the, some years where the Cubs have done really well in the regular season, their spring training record was not very good. So, you know, there isn't really a correlation, but I was later on down the line learning to understand the difference in managers and how they conduct things. And, and if there's a new energy, like when Dusty Baker came on board and you could kind of see that that talented group coming, you know, around uh, 2000 three or whatever. So I wasn't as astute in my first year. I literally was just like trying to figure it out. And they were telling me to, to do the public address, which I had never done before. So I was like a lot on my plate, you know, but I did be, I, I, it made me a Cubs fan because then of course WGN was going on living here in Arizona. I got to watch all the games. So I was like, this is a pretty cool team. And I got to see them and, you know, announce their names in spring training. And now I'm watching them do this like incredible thing. Something they really hadn't done since, you know, make the playoffs since 1945. So <laughs> long drought. Oh yeah. And so you have actually had the opportunity to broadcast Cubs games in three different spring training facilities. You mentioned you started in 1984 and you went all the way to 1996 at old Ho-Ho Camp Park. And then 1997 to 2013 to Ho-Ho Camp Stadium, and then 2014 to present-day Sloan now. What would you say are the differences between those parks when you think about all three of them? What kind of comes to your mind? Well, it's literally night and day difference from Old Ho-Com to Sloan. Uh, it's like Old Ho-Com was one of those ballparks that was built on the cheap. It wasn't necessarily aesthetically pleasing to look at. It was concrete and, you know, metal. Um, and just, I don't know, it, it, it wasn't pleasant to look at. And yet at the same time, um, it was the place I started. And there was a, a really unique thing about that is the press box, which was wide open to uh, the elements, to the fans. And you could literally reach out and touch the fans' heads that were seated on that back row to the press box. And then it was wide open going all the way down. So I was directly behind home plate. And I've told this story a million times too, but WGN radio on one side of me, WGN TV on the other side when they were broadcasting those games. And I was like, here I am and stuck in the middle. This kid, you know, just popped in there going, what? <laughs> but <laughs> the cool part, what I was getting at is it was directly above the main concession stand. So that smell of like, you know, the hot dogs, the hamburgers, the popcorn, whatever that amalgam of like amazing ballpark smells was, it was, it was just like waft straight up. And so every year when I'd come back, I'm like, the smell, I'd be, oh, back at spring training, you know, it just like hit me that this is the place, this is where I'm, I'm back. And, and now Sloan Park is just like the state of the art um, facility uh in spring training bar none and i can't believe this is what's weird that it's already the 10th year of sloan um because it seems like that 10 years has gone by and like say 10 years here 10 years there it adds up to 40 which is crazy <laughs> now you talk a little bit about you know wgn tv on your right and, and on the left the radio and all that stuff you have had the opportunity you mentioned harry earlier you know milo hamilton had been in there uh, you're, you're, you're talking about, I'm sure Tom Brenneman, um, oh, yeah, yeah. 
uh, we're we're talking about Pat Hughes and Ron, Ron Santo. Santo. Exactly. Yeah, and I so love we, sitting next to Ron Santo because you know here's a guy who's the quintessential Cubs fan, but was this great player and turned you know broadcaster. But he was he was like one of us. You know, he was just a Cubs fan, so like you could just see the energy that he had even in spring training games. He didn't want to lose. You know, in fact, I I shot some video uh, one time. It was the last ball game ever played at old Holcomb. And so I knew that was going to be, you know, somewhat historic, the last uh, game of that particular ballpark. And it ended up going into extra innings, which they used to play back then. They don't do that really in spring training anymore. It's like nine, if you're tied, we're done. Uh, but we were going to an extra inning. I think it was the 10th inning. And I had the cam. one camera was trained on uh, Ron and Pat doing their announcing because I was like, this is historic. You know, these guys are, as we know now, looking back is pretty special, but uh, it went into 10th inning and you could, so this video they have and people haven't seen this, but he's like, because everyone has a getaway, they got planes to catch and, you know, they got to get out to Wrigley and he's like, slams his pen down. He's like, extra innings in the last game. Who would have thought, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, they're a little bit crabby. And then, uh, I think it was uh, Ozzie Timmons hit a walk-off home run to win it in the bottom of the 10th. And he just came out of his seat, and it was just like you could tell. It was like just happy as can be. It's like, And that's a spring training game, and he was just loving it. So, yeah. That, that's, definitely, that's definitely the passion that Ronnie brought. Speaking of passion, one of the great experiences that you've gotten to have in your life was to announce to the crowd that it's time to sing along with Harry Carey, the stretch. I mean, God, like I said, for, for somebody that grew up in the area that I did, you know, you, you got that job in 84, 84 is for me, my Cubs realization that first year that hooked me in Yeah, that had to have been, you know, you had to have known it was special at the time. And now looking back, you, you I mean, clearly has to be a highlight to, to think about you being the, you know, the one that would announce that Harry carries, you know, sing along with Harry. I mean, tell me about that. Well, and, and, the cool part about it is the fact that, um, I mean, the whole thing is, is amazing looking back on it and is all like special and, and very cool. But uh, because they didn't have, uh, it was a very rudimentary PA system um, and they didn't have all the audio stuff that they have now, where at Wrigley Field, Harry would just sing off his, you know, WGN microphone and, you know, they'd introduce him. He literally had to physically come over to me take my PA mic and I would introduce him and then start singing over the PA mic. So there was actual physical, you know, connection of handing him the mic and doing that and introducing him. So that was really special. And I was lucky enough to, you know, videotape. I would have my camera with me all the time back then. I started with 35 millimeter photography and then went into as soon as like kind of home video cameras came about. I just asked people, hey, do you mind if I bring this camera in the booth? And they're like, ah, you know, go ahead. They probably didn't think anything of it, but what I knew is I was capturing history. And there's one time, you know how Harry used to, you know, wave the microphone around? I'm filming as he's doing that, and he cracks my camera, hits the, you know, so you can hear it actually hitting the camera. Luckily, it didn't break it or anything, but um, so it was special. One of the times, um, or actually, I'd say it happened more than a few times. There was a locking mechanism on that PA mic, the old one that we had at Old Holcom. Uh, and he once said earlier before the game or whatever, he'd say, Tim, when you hand me the mic, make sure that it's locked on. So I'm just ready to go. 
So of course, you know, I would do that, hand it to him. And invariably he would say to the entire crowd, Tim, is this thing on? <laughs> and so it's like, well, just like we discussed, Harry, uh, yeah, it's on. <laughs> so, and everybody else knows it now too. <laughs> Oh, man. Just, just those memories of Harry absolutely cracked me up. Uh, now, now, as you kind of sit here now and you think about uh, Sloan Park and the record that was broken on opening day this year, had from all your time, your 40 years, have you seen kind of a growth as far as spring training, you know, as far as fan interest and, and, and kind of the business of, of spring training baseball? Oh, completely. It's like totally changed into the aspect of, I think, back, you know, in the early mid-80s. I think the owners just thought of it as, you know, hey, we're just getting these players ready for the regular season. And then some at some point, and I think that coincided with, uh, you know, WGN and Cable coming out there, that, hey, we could, you know, fans are coming out here to these games and they're interested and we can sell beer, we can do all that. So whenever that kind of, you know, it was probably somewhat gradual triggered, the owners are like, yeah, you know, we should uh, just keep on developing. And and that's kind of what happened. I remember uh, when I first started, they weren't even playing music uh, during the games um, between innings or anything. And it was like a scrimmage game. That was because the Mesa Ho comes at the time were worried about getting um, charged money by ASCAP, the music licensing company. So it was like, oh, you know, they're trying to, make money because they gave money to charity and that type of thing. I'm like, I said, you need music between innings. It's like the 1980s. Now we, it's just like too dead. These people pay money here. You can't just have them, you know, sit around. And, um, and I didn't have any advertising to, to read back then either. It was like a couple PAs for the program. Hey, you know, buy your program. And that was it. And so along the way, uh, the whole comes had a lot of control and it slowly kind of, was taken over by the Cubs. And so by the end of the, right before they moved off to Sloan Park um, in 2013, I think it was the last uh, year over at, at Holcomb, the newer stadium built in 90, between 96 and 97, they had someone who was in charge of selling advertising. And so they were trying to make as much money as they could. It was all probably money for them, money for the Holcombs. I literally got to a point where I was reading nonstop copy between innings, uh, you know, uh, advertising of all kinds. And when the Cubs came in, they said, you know what? We don't want to subject our fans to that. Nobody needs to hear, you know, whether it's a PA announcer reading this stuff or just hearing advertising coming at you, the whole, you know, between innings. And so now I, I absolutely love it because they play – cool videos on the big screen. I have like a few reads here or there that are, you know, important tie-ins. But other than that, you know, we concentrate on the seventh inning stretch. Uh, Joe Montaigne just did it um, yesterday or Friday. And uh, so it for me, I think it's a far better fan experience now, but it was definitely old school and things have changed for, you know, making the dollar. That's, you know, what the, the world revolves around, it seems, so the owners know that. Now, in 2015, the Cubs shocked everybody by making it. They made it to the NLCS, four outs or four games away from the World Series. And so, you know, the 2016 team comes. 
And, you know, I'm sure spring training at that time was absolutely nuts thinking that the Cubs were going to do it. What yep. feeling or vibe did you have watching those 2016 spring training games? Yeah, it was one of those uh, incredible feelings. Uh, I think all the fans could sense that, and I could too, because I had really gotten into following the team and the minor league level and stuff by that point, even a long time before that. But because um, I was always looking like Cubs fans were, who's going to be the next great prospect? Who's going to fill in? Who's going to become that third baseman that, you know, runs after Ron Santo? And, you know, besides Aramis Ramirez, there's like a pretty big drought of, you know, good third baseman over the years. But so you're always looking whether it's the Gary Scott or Felix P.A. or, you know, those kind of Corey Patterson, who's going to be this, you know, next great 5 tool player or whatever. Um, but by the time getting to 2016, I was seeing that develop. I actually was at Fitch uh, Park um, shortly after uh, Theo Epstein was hired. And I'm filming as I had a habit of doing, you know, the, the guys who are working out. And this was like, they called it like Camp Bussy off season type of thing. Um, and I look over and there's Theo Epstein just standing there by himself. And I'm like, I'm going to go over and introduce myself. I mean, you know, I do the PA, so there's, I've got something to say. I'm not just a fan, even though I am. And he literally like told me a step-by-step -step of his plan to win the world series. And I watched that thing just happen like that. And so by 2016, myself and everybody else started seeing everything coming together. And, you know, that was special i think we broke like massive attendance records at sloan park that year even before they'd won the world series you know it was the spring of 16 so um yeah the vibe was something special and i think it could be felt you know throughout the whole complex over at sloan and so where were you when they won it all in 2016 where were you when 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 anthony rizzo catches that final throw from uh chris bryant where were you at well, I wasn't in Cleveland, which I would have liked to have been. Um, but uh, in fact, I, you know, I who knew that they were going to win it all? But I wanted to uh, at least get to some uh, Cubs playoff games. So I was actually at um, the Cubs when they played uh, San Francisco. Um, I was at the Wrigley Field for two of those games. And so that was amazing. But by the time it got to World Series, I was back down in Arizona and I was at a sports bar. So it wasn't as special. I mean, still, 108 years, it was damn special. But, yeah, so. Well, the reason it is truly special is that you were the first PA announcer at a Cubs home game to say. Ladies and gentlemen. Your World Series champion, Chicago Cubs. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, and, and I was not there. What was it like that very first spring training day when, when, when you got to say those words? I mean, that had to have been goosebumps, oh. and the crowd had to have been going nuts. It was crazy. And it was like I was thinking to myself, man, I'm going to be – because they won it in Cleveland, you know. And so, of course, there's Cubs convention and different things that happen in between. But at a – Cubs home game, albeit spring training, you know, I was the first one to be able to say that to, you know, 16,000 people. And it was, I mean, I was just like floored and like super happy and intense and like say goosebumps. It was all of those things together. And I, I know the fans too, just like hearing those words that everybody had dreamed about for so long and had never been able to happen. 
to say it, it was pretty awesome. Now, as, as far as 40 years of broadcasting, I'm sure that's probably one of your top memories of being the PA announcer. What would you say at HoHoCom or, or at Sloan, whatever, in your spring training, what are some memories that really stick out for you of, of 40 years of broadcasting? Oh, my goodness. Um, like I say, I think some of those memories uh, of the early days, being in between Harry and, and Ron Santo and, and all that, I, I knew that it was really cool and I appreciate it. And this is why I filmed it at the time. But looking back, it's just like, I just was so lucky to be in the right place at the right time and in life. Sometimes that's what it's all about, you know, just like being in that class and raising my hand quickly. Um, so those are super special because they were, it was right next to me. Now when Sloan and actually the new Holcom was built um, before the 97 season, it was nice. I mean, let's face it. It had like, we all had big booths, but it was separated by glass partitions. So Harry was only at that stadium for one year because he passed away before the next 98 season. And so he would come in and he was in a booth next to me, but separated by a big glass partition. And when he would come in, he would wrap on the glass. And I mean, I don't necessarily like to tell the story because I'm not trying to be braggy or whatever it was just what happened and he would knock on the glass and then he would do <laughs> this to me and i'm like harry carey is doing the, the freaking we're not worthy kind of thing and you know so that's like a like super crazy thing and i had ernie banks call me up we were you know i was going to do an interview with ernie banks and so he calls me up i was like i think he was in chicago and the time change hasn't happened so it was like two hours earlier it's like five in the morning and like you know who died it's like who's calling me this is back before cell phones of course you know so and it i could see it said banks ernie or whatever on it i'm like holy crap ernie's calling me and i pick it up and he's like tim sheridan of course he said this to a lot of people i'm sure he's like tim sheridan you're the greatest you're the greatest i'm like i know he says it to a lot of people but it's just kind of you know those things are like who would have thought that something like that ernie banks would be calling me up and saying something like that or harry would be doing that i'd never you know, when I raised my hand in that class all those years ago, I would have never guessed stuff like that would have happened. But, you know, just part of the landscape. <laughs> now, now, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, you you have sat through a lot of Cubs spring training games. What do you see so far this year uh, as far as what you see with the 2023 Cubs? You know, I'm um, cautiously optimistic, I guess, is a word. And I wish, you know, um, we didn't have the injury to Suzuki. That's kind of, you know... An issue, but in a sense, it's letting us figure out who's, you know, who else can step up and, and be there um, should, you know, there be an injury like that in the regular season or something. So hopefully, you know, he's going to be back soon and hopefully Kyle Hendricks, you know, gets back to where he needs to be. But um, so cautiously optimistic. I've been pleased with the pitching. Um, some of the pitching has surprised me in you know, some of the guys they brought in, some non-roster guys and, and different people that so I think. I think the pitching might actually be a pleasant surprise. I am like without Suzuki in that I'm possibly concerned about the hitting. If there's, you know, enough bats there to score as many runs as we need, but um, yeah, cautiously optimistic right now. So a lot of, you know, you hear people say, Oh, they're going to be, you know, in the cellar, but uh, you know, I think they might surprise people a little bit. 
Now, now, Tim, where you talked about all the videos that you tend to take, and and people, if they want to, they can go to your YouTube channel and and see some of these amazing spring training videos that you've had an opportunity to shoot over the years. Why don't you do me a favor? Tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter. YouTube, any social media that, that you have content that people can see, because I've, I've seen it before and you have a lot of great stuff that because of copyright issues and stuff with YouTube, we got to be careful with, but, but tell people where they can find it themselves. Yeah, basically um, I have a website that I've had actually, which is kind of also shocking that I think this is the 19th year. So um, boys of spring, boys of spring.com. And that was, Basically, the thought was I love the the, uh, the Boys of Summer, the book about the Brooklyn Dodgers that Roger Kahn wrote when I was a kid. I read that book and it like, you know, huge baseball book. And so I thought, hey, my niche is spring. So I'll you know, be Boys of Spring. Boys of Summer. So I've had that website for 19 years and you can access everything there. But also, if you type in Tim Sheridan YouTube or, you know, Boys of Spring YouTube, it'll all come up. Um, same thing with Twitter and stuff like that. So you can find me basically anywhere between Tim Sheridan and Boys of Spring, the combination of that. Um, everything is connected to my website, so you can see videos and, and different things um, there. And uh, I had a guy, John Antonoff, who had been um, a photographer, who had been shooting for me since, I think, 2011 or so for the website and he does an amazing job. So um, uh, yeah, so there's just all kinds of content. If you're a Cubs fan and you haven't seen it, there's probably a few things you could enjoy there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. John yeah. Antonoff was on the show and he mentioned you. Uh, oh, okay. The baseball in focus is John's Twitter yeah. in case you're interested, but yeah, yeah. stop by. I, I'm telling you Cub fans, I, I have, I have seen Tim's work and, and it's, it really is is a trip down base cub memory lane is the way I would describe it to see these guys before they hit it big when they're young just having fun and, and kind of the atmosphere that Tim was describing of some of the older stadiums before kind of it got a little bit bigger when it was just kind of a bunch of guys just having fun and and talking smack and that and that Tim was kind of the fly on the wall on that so check that out for sure. Yeah, Tim, one of my favorite videos I was just going to say is the one with. Uh... Um, Sandberg, Grace, and Dunstan in the hitting contest over at Old Fitch Park. And they're, you know, they would score points by hitting doubles and home runs and all that. And and Dunstan just like digs himself a hole, like, hey, I'm gonna win. And whoever whoever uh, loses has got to pick up all the balls, type of thing. And he's like, you know, Dunstan had a way of uh, talking and and so that was totally a fly on the wall thing. And it's, I think it's maybe the video itself is, I don't know, five, six minutes long. It's not hugely long, but it just captures like a feel of spring training. Like, like you don't see possibly anymore of guys just having fun that they were actually friends and stuff. So yeah, that's one of my favorites, you know, there's stuff like that, that's just kind of classic stuff. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you coming on. And if anyone is going out to spring training as well, maybe you can find Tim Sheridan and get yourself one of these cards for your collection i know i will be taking care of mine but tim i thank you so much for coming on we look forward to having you on in the future and and thank you so much for 40 years of, of being the voice of cub spring training it means a lot to cub fans you're, you're a welcome voice for those of us that go out there and we appreciate everything you've done for us well thank you i just feel lucky to you know have been a part of it and still be here doing it you know I, hard to believe but yeah so thanks so much uh Enjoy always talking about the Cubs. So anytime, you know, I'm here with the stories. <laughs> All righty, Tim. We love you. You take care, bud. You too, Kali.
Take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. This is segment number three. We want you to remember to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to check us out on all the socials as well. This is season two, episode 20. We're calling this one Cubs Bullpen Questions. Crawley, Sunday night, Team USA advances to the World Baseball Classic final, getting a chance to defend their title later on tonight as we're recording this. On Monday, we're going to find out who they will play in the World Baseball Classic finale on Tuesday. I know not everybody's 100% a baseball junkie like me, but you have got to say that the World Baseball Classic has been fun. Um, It has excited baseball fans around the world. They've wrapped up the quarters, like you said, into the semis. In the first quarterfinal game, Cuba beat Australia 4-3. to You know, Dustin, if you would have told me 10, 15 years ago that the Cubans barely beat the Australians in baseball, I would have been like, you're crazy. But I don't know. I just don't think that they're the powerhouse. I still think it's a hotbed for baseball. I just think a lot of, you know, Cubans have defected. There's been other issues. Um, I don't know if you heard this today, but one of their catchers on their their catchers defected. Yeah. In Miami. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. Defected in Miami. So. I don't know. You know, I just, when, when I saw them beat Australia four to three and I saw the talent on the other teams uh, in, in the, in the quarterfinals, I was like, I don't know if they had a bad game or what. That was the one game I did not see, but it, it didn't bode well for them. Uh, Japan beat team Italy in the second quarterfinal game, nine to three. It was exciting because you got to see uh, Shohei Otani pitch 4.2 innings. He threw a 102 mile per hour pitch and not only that, you Darvish, the old man of the Japanese baseball, uh, world baseball classic team, he pitched out of the bullpen in the game. So imagine going to a game and seeing Otani and Darvish both coming out for Team Japan. That was awesome. And Japan is just clearly one of the strongest teams in the tournament. There's a lot of talent there. And so uh, I would look out for them. But the weekend, Dustin, is what had every all all baseball fans buzzing the next super two quarterfinal yeah, games super were electric games yeah phenomenal did you have a chance to watch them dustin i did i did caught some of it caught some highlights saw watched the package on mlb uh network but uh yeah we're gonna let's get into it because it was good stuff mexico puerto rico semi-final the biggest winner was cub fans because he had former cubs player javi Baez hitting a massive home run two-run blast Eddie Rosario hit one, and Puerto Rico was quickly up 4 nothing after one inning. Cup fans should also be excited because Marcus Stroman pitched well, and he's had a great 
um, World Baseball Classic. He pitched 4.1 innings. He gave up two runs on five hits, one walk, and two Ks. So, you know, Stroman put him in a position, you know, to win it. They're up 4-2 in the seventh when the wheels fell off Team Puerto Rico. Uh, Alexis Diaz, brother of injured Mets closer Edwin Diaz, gave up a double and two walks. He could not retire a batter. All three would eventually come around to score as Mexico took a 5-4 to four lead, which turned out to be the final. Another important note for Cub fans is that it, it was Javier Assad who kept Mexico in it after the Mexico starter uh, Dodgers Julio Urias struggled. He went 2.2 innings, gave up one hit, one walk, No, uh, you know. So he struggled. So Assad comes in and stops the bleeding. 2.2 innings, gave up one hit, one walk, no runs, and struck out four. So as far as Cub fans are concerned, Javier Assad is the biggest story coming out of this tournament. You know what I mean? Yep. Assad looks great. And uh, you're right about uh, Marcus Stroman looking great so far in the WBC as well. Really exciting stuff. I mean, it's really, really good stuff. And the last quarterfinal game was the most, I think, I don't know, you could argue either one of the the weekend games were exciting. The but Team two, USA, yeah. Team USA beats Team Venezuela 9-7 to in a back-and-forth matchup with a ton of twists and turns. U.S. jumps out to an early 3-0 lead in the first before Venezuela scored two of their own in the bottom of the inning. The U.S. added single tallies in the fourth and fifth to make it 5-2. to Then in the bottom of the fifth, USA manager Mark DeRosa, former Cub, calls in Daniel Bard out of the bullpen, who in front of a sold-out crowd and millions more watching on TV came down with a case of the yips. Dustin, when you see a guy with the yips, it's, uh, it's the worst thing to see. It's just... Oh, man, I I couldn't believe it, it, the way that it just went down. He gave up a walk, and I'm not talking about a walk. I'm talking about hitting the backstop, like not even close to the catcher, like five feet wide of the catcher. He gives up a walk. The only one that came close to being, uh, you know, a a decent sequence for Bard, he gave up an infield single that kind of was a chopper that went over his head in between, you know, the shortstop and the pitcher. You know, nothing you can do on that. Then he throws another wild pitch that isn't even close. He hits Jose Altuve in the hand and possibly ended the season with a fractured thumb. He threw another wild pitch and then walked another batter. I mean, he wasn't even, I would have been scared to death if I was in that batter's box before DeRosa finally pulled him out. But the damage was done. And by the end of the inning, Venezuela was up 6-5. I don't know what DeRosa was thinking leaving him in there. That was insane. Yeah, I don't know if it was that he didn't have somebody. He wanted the guy to try to get right. Very interesting call. Something I guess he won't be get second guessed on because we're going to find out in a minute about the outcome in this game. Yeah, they, the you know Venezuela scored another run in the seventh to make it seven to five before Venezuelan pitcher Jose Quijada had his own bouts of wildness. Gave up a walk to Tim Anderson, a bloop single to Pete Alonso, and then he hit JT Real Muto to load the bases before getting pulled for Silviano Bracho, but the first batter Bracho faces, Trey Turner, unloaded a massive grand slam to put the U.S. out in front 9-7, to seven, and that would be a final. And all I got to say, Dustin, is I sure as heck hope DeRosa bought Trey Turner a steak dinner because he, he bailed him out big time. Big time. Big time. Big time. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all kinds of steak down in Miami for him. There's no doubt about that. 
And look, the, you know, I understand like, oh, okay, you know, a guy's kind of struggling. You don't want to maybe get somebody up immediately, see if he can work. This is elimination game, Dustin. You know what I mean? I know, it, 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 you know, some people think of the World Baseball Classic as not being, you know, it, it, this is what you're trying to do. You're trying to win. All these guys that are not in camp, they left camp to make a commitment to the USA to win. And again, you know, DeRosa doesn't have managerial experience, so – but the way that Bard was missing, it wasn't like, you know, he just ran into a little, the, the second, the single, this one single he gave up, that was some bad luck. You know what I mean? It was just a ball that landed in the middle of two infielders. Nothing you could do about that, but everything else, Dustin, it, it wasn't close. The guy clearly didn't have it. And the second that he hit Altuve, I would have, by that point, it was way too late then, but you still let him have another at bat, you know, still let him have, face another batter after that. I mean, he could have hurt someone. He did really hurt, hurt someone, someone, but he could have, he really could have hurt absolutely somebody. hurt someone. And and that was, to me, that was some malpractice on his part. I mean, he, you know, DeRosa talked before the game, he was going to, you know, take it like a game seven. And that's what it was. It's, it's winner go home. And, and, and that was, like I said, if it wasn't for Trey Turner's heroics, I, I don't, you know, you team USA doesn't well, that win would it. be the top. I mean, and that would be the topic today. We'd be killing DeRosa, right? He would have gotten killed all over the place for that decision. So, uh, yesterday, Crowley, it was us and Cuba. Um, I thought that game still delivered. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt with a home run, Trey Turner, two more home runs. Who doesn't like to see USA pounding on Cuba a little bit, right? And now we've got Mexico taking on Japan tonight, that semifinal game. And then the winner of that one gets team USA on Tuesday. So pretty right. cool stuff. I mean, Tuesday, Tuesday is going to be much watched TV. Now, now for me, the U.S. Cuba game. I mean, that was just you know it was kind of a little bit of a letdown. They literally they they pounded the ball and man, oh man, Trey Turner's looking like he's worth every sense of that contract, doesn't he? Never, yes, yes. To answer that question, yes, but never a letdown. I mean, I I didn't need. I, I was you know let's fly the flag, let's have a good time, and let's pound Cuba. I, that's fine with me, especially <laughs> with the use of the long ball. I mean, not it's not only chicks that dig the long ball, Crowley. This uh, this guy likes the long ball as well. Again, USA beats Cuba fourteen to two. They get the winner of Mexico Japan. So by the time uh, you guys are listening to this, we will know who will be playing for the championship and can Team USA uh, repeat as World Baseball Classic champs. Well, Crowley, that's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Fly the W Facebook, Fly the W 670 on Instagram as well. You can email us, Fly the W 670 at gmail.com. And check this out. You can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, we'll uh, get back at it middle of the week. We'll be that much closer to opening day. We'll know who has won the World Baseball classic and maybe we'll have a little bit more of a uh, a clearer picture on the uh, bullpen and on the uh, on the roster the next time we get together it, it, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty it is getting exciting you know a week from thursday we're one week away from baseball and i'm freaking out <laughs> don't forget that we do have some tickets left for the uh baseball is back party at club 400 with justin Steele. if you're interested you can send me a dm or you can email us whatever and i can send you all the info that you need we'd love to have you come out and support club 400 and the cause let, let's hope the Cubs get another one of those winning streaks and get hot right before opening day. I'd love to see it, and, and let's, let's get some momentum built, and go Cubs! It's all over. 